Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island. Make your second half of life even better than the first. Next time you go to the supermarket, you may notice that some products have what's known as a BBE, best before end date, stamped on the packaging. What does this mean? It's not that the food will be unsafe after that date, but it may not be at its best. Its flavor and texture might not be as good after a certain period of time. While we may not think about other products or aspects of our lives having best before dates, longevity expert Scott Fulton has developed a creative approach to apply this concept to our living environment as well as our health and well-being. In today's episode, Scott, who is the founder and president of Home Ideations, returns to 45 Forward to talk about the best before date of our house. In many instances, we buy our homes and remain in them for decades, but most homes are not designed for older adults. The renovations we make are often not the kinds of design changes that will support our future needs. So we end up buying living in houses and, that are essentially beyond their best before date. But as Scott points out, that doesn't mean we can't devise plenty of strategies to extend the functional lifespan of our home environment to fit the needs as we age. Scott will explain how he collaborates with homeowners to combine functional design features with striking styles that add aesthetic value to their homes. He'll talk about forward flow solutions to accommodate the spectrum for all ages. No step solutions to minimize falls as we age. After all, September is Fall Prevention Awareness Month. And he'll describe how cost-effective technologies are being introduced in our entrances, kitchens, and living areas. Call it aging with grace or thriving in a home-based environment. What matters, Scott says, is that you have a realistic plan that shields you from potential crises or providing you with an inviting and secure lifestyle for years to come. So now let's meet our guest, Scott Fulton. Scott, welcome back to the show. Hi, Ron. Great to be back on the show with your listeners. Yeah, great to have you. Um, so, Scott, it's you've been on the show before, uh, but it's been a while. So if, if you don't mind for our listeners, just give us a quick, because uh, I'm always interested in in people's um, careers as well as the content of, what they, of the topic of the day. And people are very interesting uh, career trajectories and they change before 45 and after 45. So you originally trained as an engineer, but but now you're a, a multifaceted person uh, focusing on longevity. So give us a little bit about how you how you arrived at where you are today. Uh, well, if there's one common thread I've seen uh, since I really started working longevity, and that's probably more with, uh, with other physicians, is there's an impact that grandmothers tend to have on kids huh. at a pretty young age that uh, that seems to be a common denominator that comes up across them, and, and I certainly fit into that camp. And and really, what it what it says for all of us was what a positive influence that our grandmothers uh, had on us at a young age, and how much that stayed with us through adulthood. And as we start to get to that point of looking forward into those years ourselves, we realize, you know, how can I be a the role model that I looked up to as a child mm. uh, in my own way. And so, uh, so, so that's really what we're trying to create. And, and so that's kind of, kind of, I think partly what set some of the groundwork very early on in my life that I didn't even know about until I uh, reached in later. 
And then I think the other part is as a as engineers tend to be, we're more systems thinkers. We're trained around systems thinking. Um, right. We look at a whole plant philosophy, or not just you know what's going on in one particular machine. And that's one of the differences. The way the the health system works is it's really more focused on specific equipment, specific um, clinical events. Um, versus I, I only look at things from a systems perspective to try to figure out what's the root cause of problems, where are the things that we can have the biggest, you know, the, what's the least amount of impact or input we can make for the biggest impact that we can have on the business and the business of health is, is pretty important to all of us. So that's kind of in a, you know, I, I, I guess the other I would say over my career is I've worked in the, in the world of, of public transportation amongst mm. other things. And one of those is you know, we don't think about getting on a subway car and think about it being you know, designed for wheelchairs or designed for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at them as pretty sleek, sexy. I worked on a Las Vegas monorail, for example. Mm. Um, sexy equipment that's designed for everybody. And so when I look at somebody's home, like why wouldn't we want those sort of capabilities at home not that we want a subway at home but we want it to work and function that way but still look great and so that's kind of how i kind of found my way into the longevity and just through the teaching i was doing around spaces and things that just and a background in medical i just kind of i landed there and i like a lot of uh, engineers i wear many hats to and so you, you can you can tell me which hat you want me to put on and i'll answer <laughs> the question accordingly how's that that's great that's great yeah um and, and if you wanted to know a little bit more about it, on my Robel Resources uh, website, uh, robelresources.com, you click on the 45 forward tab and just go right at the top. You can see that, uh, you know, I've got a, an, you know, a bio of Scott. You can find a more specifics about what he's done. Um, uh, now, uh, so talking about that sort of context, again, just before we dive into the house itself, uh, you know, your systems approach looks at, you know, uh, the living, the home and living environment within the context of, of what you call five pillars of longevity. So just review that for a second. So it give us lay the groundwork and then we'll dive into looking at the home itself. Right. That's, so part of this was trying to come up with an acronym that people could remember. And huh. the acronym is MEDIC. Uh, so it's mind, environment, diet, exercise, and community. So MEDIC, M-E-D-E-C. Um, so mind is really, um, all aspects of the mind, right from attitude. Um, you know, I think that's a lot of how things start is what's our attitude towards aging. If we approach aging with the idea of we fear it, we, you know, it's all negative. Um, you know, guess what your aging experience is going to be, right? You can you, you essentially set yourself up for whatever path you want to follow. So, so attitude has a big part of it in protecting the mind as we think about into later years, like, you know, I ask my students, usually at the start of every course, um, how long do you want to live? And the answer is, as long as my mind is healthy. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's really the thing that when it comes right down to it, that's the thing that we all want to protect. And we all recognize that you know, co- cognitive health, is number one risk to it is age. And so, so it's something we have to pay very close attention to. And everybody realizes, I'm not going to go into the emergency room and get a fix for my uh, early uh, signs of dementia. So, so everything that I talk about is in the context of really kind of mind health and attitude. Um, environment is really um, 
the home environment. So we're going to talk more about that today, but also the external environment, uh, the toxins and things that we're exposed to, depending on where we are. Um, diet. Um, and diet, I really approach, again, more as an educator around how do you figure out what's the best diet for you? Um, mm -hmm. Anyone who thinks that there's one diet that's best for everybody is uh, is trying to sell you something. That's usually a good indication. So I really work on trying to help people learn to figure out for themselves what's a diet that works for them and a diet that they love. Um, exercise is is clearly, I've got a background in endurance exercise. So I kind of say I've, I've lived, I, I've lived, uh, I've lived my older years out on the, out on the course in endurance. Nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way to kind of come in touch with when the, the mind starts to, to shut down, the body starts to shut down and you kind of get those challenges and realize, okay, that's a little different. <laughs> um, I don't have the ability to resolve things the way I used to. Um, and then the, the last one is community. And that's really, you know, that's like for shows like yours, really are part of contributing to to a sense of community. I was um, interviewing uh, Dr. Joan Ifland on Friday. We were talking about that. And it's really, you know, again, from cognitive health and any changes we want to make in life, um, we're not going to bring community into that component. We're probably going to suffer uh, in terms of our fall short of what we could do. So community plays a huge part in it's just a natural fit for human behavior. So mind, environment, diet, exercise, and community don't have to be perfect in any of them, but if you can start checking those boxes, um, you're, you're setting yourself up to do pretty well. That's great. Now for our, our listeners, uh, you know, Scott, as you can tell us involved in lots of things and don't worry, we're going to have a couple more shows with him coming up in the next couple of months so we can cover a lot of this territory um, and really uh, using the, the best before date kind of concept of how do we extend that in other components of our life. But, but today we're going to focus on our living environment, our home, um, and why this is so important to think about this in, in, in this context. And one of the things that you've mentioned to me, Scott, is that, that uh, you know, I, you kind of know, but, but you don't really think about it too much, is that 90% of the homes today are not designed for people over 65. And, uh, you know, what, what does, uh, you know, even as, as you put it, even if you're a super ager, um, there are lots of things you need to think about. And so what are, what are some of those things to think about, um, you know, the, the best before date in terms of your, your home? Right. It, well, so I think, um, you know, almost without exception, when you talk to anyone over 65, particularly post, um, post the pandemic, there's a recognition of, you know, home is really where we want to be long-term. Right. So, or, you know, in regardless of it's, uh, whatever our timing is, we want to be in charge of the decision, right? So that's really all that matters is how long you want to keep uh, on top of uh, being in a position to make the right choices. And that's really all I talk about. Again, I don't, I don't have any vested interest in whether you want to stay in your home till, till 65 and a half or 105 and a half. It right. still comes down to the same, the same logic around how you make choices. So, so one of them is really what we talk about are the, what we would say is the challenge of just daily living, mm -hmm. um, right? So we all want to remain active, whatever our definition of active is, we want to keep being able to do what we do and maybe give up a few things along the way, or we do it a little lighter, that's all fine, but we still want to, you know, 
life is about doing, life is about socializing, life is again now that whole community thing. Um, I want to be able to get out into my community right networks, um, you know, at all ages. I I don't I don't ever want to be in a in a position where I'm going to turn that off. And I think that's that's true for most of us. So so it's really uh, I think on that, I would say one of the benefits of working in the longevity space and and being chair of the National Aging Place Council is I get the the uncommon ability to look forward in time. Mm. I I get to hear from people, you know, gerontologists, um, people working with older adults all the time who who have things to teach and want to want to tell the younger community, right? And so partly, you know, I'm I'm a voice to carry through of what what are they telling me that Scott, you need to tell people that, you know, they need to be more proactive than than they are because it's just a, you know, if they want to keep doing things, there's some things that they need to do to support that. And and they could be doing much better. The, I guess the other is, you know, we think about from a property standpoint. So, so again, whatever your home is, um, if you're in an apartment, for example, and you want to keep living in the apartment that you're in, um, that's a pretty, pretty nice arrangement in terms mm-hmm. of, there's not much you have to do. Apartments have to comply with with um, with uh, ADA standards, and so they're going to have elevators, and they're going to have all those things that you need. Um, but if you're in in your own home, for example, would be the other extreme. Then then how are you going to stay there at the point when you know it becomes becomes more work mm-hmm. uh, than you're able to do, or it just starts to feel like work? You know, maybe fun now. So what's the what's the strategy that we want to put in place? well ahead of time to know that so so i'll give you an example sure. um, right we, we just essentially built our retirement home um, mm. five and a half acres um, that sounds a little crazy why would someone want five and a half acres as the retirement home and so the answer is it's five and a half acres that's mostly going to take care of itself and the parts that I won't be taking care of, I already you know, will have lined up who is going to take care of it and we'll kind of stage that through as a progressive care. Um, and, but again, it doesn't matter whether you know, you're on a you know, a hundred foot lot or whatever you're on, it's really around what's the strategy for maintaining the property. Um, start paying for that earlier than you might think because you know, if you find yourself going into a facility ahead of time, you're paying for it there and you're right. paying a whole lot more and getting a lot less. So the maintenance of the property is a piece that we need to think about uh, as and having a plan around that. Um, you know, and the other, I guess, as we get older, our range of motion is not going to be what it used to be. I, right. My wife and I already just, just work on the bottom shelf of the upper cabinets. Neither of us are particularly tall. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to be okay. I could reach the upper shelf if I want to, but um, but in 25 years, that shelf's probably not going to get any closer. Right. right. It's going to feel further away. So that's a natural thing. So there's no point trying to to deny it. What do we want to do that just keeps everything in range? And so on that kind of particular point, we'd say kitchen design, we really start to bring things into our narrower range than we typically have. And we, we do some design modifications there. And, and then, then it's really around redis, um, 
reducing fall risk. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And then the other, I just kind of leave you with maybe here is the, the notion of we need to be thinking about what's life going to be like on the days, not like today, but the days when we're not feeling at our best for whatever reason, we've got the flu, we've got, you know, we had some back injuries we're on some medication and you know that's thrown a bunch of things off. Um, how are we going to navigate in those days safely and comfortably and kind of make sure that our home is supporting us on those days. It's easy when life is good and we're feeling great. We don't need to design for that. We need to design for the days that life isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important uh, concept, Scott. I think that uh, we, we tend to um, not leave much margin in our lives, you know, so, and we don't think about our house in terms of supporting us. You know, we think of, we maintain a house, but we don't think of it. How does the house maintain us? And um, so I think that's where the, this notion of best before date is really critical. Um, and then to make, start making adjustments uh, ahead of time, you know, as you see things happening. Uh, and, and I, you know, myself, I, I see, you know, um, I'm, I believe in pretty good shape, but I'm not the same shape as when I was 40. And so you start noticing things, you're not quite as steady. Uh, it's a little harder to reach that top shelf. So I think, you know, these are really important adjustments to make. Um, uh, so uh, Scott, we're going to come into a short break. Um, uh, folks, we'll be back uh, in, in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about with our longevity expert, Scott Fulton. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with longevity expert Scott Fulton, the founder of Home Ideations, on the longevity advantage and wealth span. Uh, later in the show, we'll give you more information about how to find out more about Scott's work. But right now we're talking about um, his work in the home environment and extending the best before date of your home so that it um, uh, supports you successfully as you age. 
Um, so what are the, uh, uh, you, you have a notion of what livability means, uh, Scott, in terms of uh, promoting every phase of life. So, so what are the, the components of livability uh, for anybody, you know, in, uh, older or younger? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think livability, it comes out of Australia. That was, I think, where the term first came from, and it was fairly intuitive for people, which is why it's, I think, an easy one to use. Um, so it's really around, you know, I, I call it smart design, a different um, mm-hmm. different acronym to try to remember. Right. But it's really smart around sustaining your future needs. Again, that's sometimes hard to imagine what future needs might be, but that's where, you know, educating yourself and kind of leaning into conversations like this, hopefully you'll pick up a, a couple of things. Um, so smart would be, the M would be modest. Um, and modest means it's also affordable. It's mm-hmm. within something you can sustain. It's not most people, I think, figure out, you know, they're not looking to have the ma- the McMansion at 80. Um, people still do some surprising building right, projects right. in their 80s, but but not that's not common. Um, appealing and inviting, um, you know, no matter what we live in, right? You could use the apartment, single home. We want it to be appealing, inviting. We want to have a sense of pride. Of, of our home. We want it to be a place where it's welcoming again to friends and, and family, that whole, how do we maintain community, right? Those are the things that become threatened. Uh, and so one of the ways is to make sure that our home remains appealing and inviting, um, needs to be responsive to our future needs. So I kind of talk about, you know, sustain for future needs, but it also needs to be responsive. So we just, as I said, just designed our home our home is not designed for wheelchairs. We don't expect to need wheelchairs. The number of people who need wheelchairs is relatively low. Mm-hmm. But if we did, there are very minor changes that we would need to, to do to make that happen. Um, lots of things I can talk about on another program dedicated mm-hmm. to all the things we designed into our home perhaps. But, um, but it's really around how do we make sure that we're set up and we've got all the big uh, the big challenges covered, or at least all the ones that potentially could could be there. So we've got a process that we went through to th- kind of think about what might life look like if something were to happen, mm-hmm. and and how would we navigate? Well, you know, dealing with those things early is going to be better than later. At least knowing what we're going to do, um, and then the the last one in smart is tech, and that's really a tech savvy house. Yeah, uh, I think for a lot of years. You know, just look at at home security systems, right? We're all wired, you know, and all the wires that went through all of the doors and windows and things. Um, The early smart homes were all wired. We're Mm -hmm. at a point now where where most technology in homes is pretty much wireless. Mm -hmm. Um, Wireless has got better. We've got better signals. We got all sorts of ways to uh, to get signal, but it also means we've got systems that are far more flexible and easier to adapt once we go to a wireless system. So it's kind of learning to trust some of the newer technology will be, I think, part of that ability to adapt. So it's a, it's a really kind of trying to develop a smart home that's uh, that's going to be smart for us for the future self, not just for kind of the the, the past or the current uh, self that we think about uh, most often when we think about uh, improvements to the home. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we bought our home, it was actually in the the mid nineteen nineties. And certainly we weren't thinking about all these things. We didn't even have uh, uh, children at the time. Uh, but I did I remember, you know, uh, I, I was 
uh, covering um, issues involving, you know, the workplace and aging the workplace. So when we looked at this house, I did notice uh, some things that were uh, in- interesting, like the, the hallways were wide, the doorways were wide. I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this was intentional, but this is good. <laughs> People had some anticipation and, and most of the living is on the first floor. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when we, we, we subsequently put some rooms on the second floor for my sons, but, you know, having a living space uh, on one floor, um, there are uh, some, some, a couple of steps to the main entrance, um, which are easily adaptable. And then we realized too, that we should have some handrails, <laughs> Never mind for older people, but for anyone coming up there, um, because, uh, you know, well, this is fall prevention week. Uh, I, I'm sorry, fall prevention awareness month. And that is a real issue of, of falls. And I know, I know you've done some work with falls too, and they really can be a hazard. Um, uh, I, I think you've, uh, you've mentioned to me, um, that, uh, uh, th- just the fall rate has increased in recent years. Yeah, it, um, I'm just going to pull this up here so, so that I can kind of reference what that is. And sure. it's a stat that, um, it's talking about falls is, is a difficult conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Most of us are kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and absolutely, I get that. But without kind of getting you know doom and gloom, because that doesn't mm-hmm. that, that that doesn't get us anywhere either. Um, it does require an awareness to understand how much the rate of falls. So it's not simply that yes, we're going to more likely to fall when we get older. The number of falls or the rate per per thousand people has gone up significantly over. I'm looking at a chart here that I've got from the CDC back from 2007, mm-hmm. and it has um, it's gone up by about 50 percent. The rate has gone up by 50 percent wow. just since 2007, and so it kind of begs the question, of course, why? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and so, so that's that, that's an, an interesting conversation, and that and it's not a simple answer. The answer is there are lots of reasons why uh, the fall rate is going up. Um, you know, I'd like to tell you it's because we're living longer, but um, or unfortunately, since 2009 um, in America, we're not living any longer. That's mm-hmm. true in the rest of the world, but it is not true in the U.S. That's data that I stay on top of uh, very well. Um, so it's clearly not that we're living longer. So that's not it. It's generally going to point to lifestyle habits and medication. Mm-hmm. And so... We can talk about lifestyle and some of the other factors there, but I think on the medication one is um, just to give you a number here. If we talk about a um, the number of medications that people are are on once they have multiple diseases, mm-hmm. um, it's not uncommon for people to be on more than a dozen medications per day. Wow, that's uh, I remember. I started to, I just happened, I had a nurse presenting, I just happened to ask the question quite innocently. And she said for her patients, now she's dealing with you know, patients a little bit later, but who are still trying to live at home. Um, she said 18 to 20 meds is common for her patients. So, wow. so, so once you're into that, it means you are, you're taking medicines to try to offset the side effects of other medicines. Right. And right. it's just a, it's, uh, it's, it's a it's a real challenge, and so things like balance, um, 
just it's easy to imagine how that gets affected. Um, your exercise is clearly probably not what it was. And so as you start to lose strength, um, you know, that affects your ability to recover as soon as you begin to lose balance. So it's all these little things in eyesight. Um, if that's deteriorating faster, again, that shouldn't necessarily be changing. We don't have data to say that eyesight has deteriorated faster. So it, but it is these things that start to compound each other. And it's, um, and I think what it probably also says is that this whole housing uh, reality is, um, unfortunately, we are living in houses. And I will, t- <laughs> I was in a conversation just last week with somebody talking about building. Uh, a builder who is still thinking a mindset that at this point is about 50 years out of date, that we Mm. build homes for young families. Young families are not the ones buying homes. They haven't been the ones buying new homes for some time. It is kind of the middle age, uh, people in in their 40s and 50s who are buying new homes at this point, but they're still buying homes as those for young families. And so, you know, guess what? You know, if if all you can come up with is a main floor master bedroom or main floor uh, primary bedroom, that's not enough. That is not nearly enough. It's just one thing. I can put an elevator into most homes and take care of what that would address. Um, there's a lot more to, to getting it right. So, so it is a, you know, I, I guess I'm getting a little bit passionate about this only because the fall risk, if I talked, so again, talk to a medical examiner about this, and so what the medical examiner will tell you that they've lengthened the window now or what um, cause of death can be attributed to falls uh, because what they were seeing is the consequences of falls are so extreme. It's, it becomes the camel that, or the straw that broke the camel's back, but mm-hmm. you never, you wouldn't see it on the death certificate. And so, right. Right. So it's kind of got this, well, we don't need to do anything about it. Well, no, actually we do because that actually, triggered an event that, you know, they may have had the same series of events five years later, but if I could offer you five more healthy years, um, you know, and all you needed to do was three simple things, would you do it? And yeah. so if you said, yes, then the question should be, what should I do? So, yeah. I think so that yeah, it's, a, it's, a, I'll, I'll just kind of, I can sure, go a little sure. further on this. Absolutely. From, from, the older we get, so once we're over 65, we're already seeing people reported falls of one in three per year. Guess how many are unreported? Right? Probably about double. Um, once we're into our 80s, um, we could be doing just fine. Um, but now the mortality rate, once we're in our 80s, again, from this, particularly for women, women really need to pay attention to this when they are far more at risk uh, for falls, for hip uh, fractures. And mortality numbers for women in particular really start to skyrocket once in their 80s through, again, avoidable falls that if we just kind of step back and said, what should I do just to change the odds and help the odds? Um, we can, uh, these are all the things I work on. How do I get you another 5, 10, 15 healthy years, right? There's some mechanical things that we need to do that, you know, the old tighten up some loose screws and change right. the uh, change the faucet in the, or the, the washer and the leaky faucet, that type of thinking, there's some of those things that we, we can all do. So, so I'll settle down now and, and hopefully I've made a impression on it really is important. I, I thank you for that because it really is. And I think from my perspective, there are a few things that, that come to mind as well in terms of, I, I do think there's a huge underreporting of falls. Um, 
and, and at a younger ages, um, judging from my own experience, <laughs> I mean, some many of my flaws, I don't tell people about it. It's sometimes a little embarrassing, you know, um, uh, and some of them have been sort of serious, um, recoverable, but belie the fact that um, uh, we're not paying attention to what we really need. And in many times, uh, we're, I'm doing things too fast. So our designs are not, you know, meant or our behavior, our daily behavior is not meant for the environments we're in. So we're not paying attention. We do things too fast. We don't, you know, pay attention to, um, and especially uh, in environments that are not, so your home, but but near your home, getting to your home. Um, so that that's where I think that there's room for a lot of improvement. Because as you know, when I get busy and I'm not paying attention to things, I um, anything that's a little bit out of ordinary, I, I'm not used to, and subject to a fall. And it's happened a few times. And luckily, I've just scraped my wrists, you know, my palms, and, and braced my fall. But you know, that was a close call. So I think one of the areas that you talk about a lot is is paying attention, you know, to entryways, doors, uh, and and ways to eliminate steps. So talk about a little bit of those specifics, Scott. Um, yeah. So the one one everybody loves, I think, or I get the the strongest reaction to is when I tell them the solution is dirt cheap. Huh. <laughs> it literally right. is dirt cheap. Um, so if I if I kind of go back to the as as we go through this, what you should be hearing is this theme of all these interdependent factors that we talk about. So when I talk about the importance of community uh, and keeping the home accessible and inviting to friends and uh, who want to come and visit is they, they're not going to come if you've got, so, so we'll say you mentioned you have two steps in your home. So if I'm having trouble and most of us can manage one step, almost without exception, like I can even get a wheelchair up one step. Mm-hmm. As soon as now it's two, it's more than twice as difficult, but it's a, um, so the one step is kind of, we'd like that as our minimum or a maximum rather. But the, if we say, how do we get the best access? The reality is the best access into our home for most homes is a landscape solution. So it's literally not, not to go out, you know, to, to Lowe's or home hardware, or home Depot and, and bring home, you know, a big load of lumber and get the son-in-law over to, with the, the tools to, to do a busy weekend of building. It's really around designing a landscape, redoing a landscape that has as much or more curb appeal than the home does today, but naturally kind of creates a pathway to the front door that says, come on in, mm. like, look at how, look at how attractive and inviting I am. And in the course of doing that, we we kind of get a flow going that says this house is about flow, and it starts right with when you pull up to the front of the house and get a, a look at it. So, so it's really around how do we get to that front door, or you know, it's not always possible. That's our first choice from uh, at least for visitors, but other ways we can work through the garage or through the side of the house. There's all sorts of different options once you kind of step back and say, if it if all we had to do is bring in some dirt and then redo some you know, pavers or a new patio or a new, new sidewalk, um, that's pretty inexpensive and pretty minimally disruptive compared to lots of other things that we could do. So, so that's kind of where I would say is a good place to kind of say to get you on track. Remember said about mind and attitude? Mm-hmm. That's a good place to start for people because once they see that, it's like, 
Okay. I hadn't seen that in other places. And that's actually the, that's when it's done well is you don't even notice it. Right. It's just part of it looks like it was there from the start. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I try to work with people through is, is how do we create that look so that uh, you're going to have something you're going to say, yeah, that's, that's what we wanted. We didn't know it, but that's exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah. I think that your uh, focus on the, uh, well, the livability, the modest and affordable, I think that those are things that people uh, don't think about. So the, the, the work actually, a lot of the work is in the thinking ahead of time. And like, well, what would be the most cost-effective way to do this? And you can do it in, in ways that aren't expensive. And I, I think that's what stops people in many cases where they're thinking like, oh, okay, we, yeah, we should do something, but that's going to cost a lot of money, the adaptations. And I think it, it, it takes some thinking, but not necessarily that, that much money um, to, to get, you know, as you said before, you know, uh, modest uh, investment, but maximum uh, impact. Um, so, um, so I think uh, we're, what I'd like to do next, uh, Scott, is uh, we're, we're going to come up with break uh, in a few seconds, but I want to I focus. There's a lot more to talk about. I want to focus on a, a couple of areas. Uh, one will be looking at universal design and how you've really used that in a way that uh, you know, combines function and aesthetic appeal. And then in the last phase too, also you, you've done a lot of work with technology and, and you know, in interesting and creative ways and ways that people might think of, might not think of. So uh, folks, uh, again, we're going to take a short break, uh, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back uh, with a much more in our last segment with Scott Fulton, our longevity guru. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Scott Fulton, founder of Home Ideations, Longevity Advantage, and Wealthspan. Uh, so we have a lot more to talk about in our last segment, Scott. But before we do that, I just wanted to make sure I just get this in. If people want to reach you or how do they find out more about you, uh, just your, your websites uh, where they're, you, you can find out more about your programs and your, your firm and so forth. So you got a few yeah, of that- yeah, I got a few. I got a few things going on. So home ideations, like home idea, T I O N S. Right. Um, that's kind of the um, call it. Say that's the umbrella mm-hmm. um, where we kind of house things. That's where you know, as you're talking in the last segment about consulting, a lot of our work now is just kind of being a thought partner for homeowners. To say we've got some ideas. What do you think? Or you know, he, we need some help in this area just to get them going. So that's really partly what we do through there. Um, longevity advantage is really dedicated to, um, to, to, to more around the education piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wealth span is really, really targeted. I, I do a fair bit of speaking uh, particularly to the investment community. So it's really a, again, a little different approach to longevity around an investment and a return on investment. And so, um, and that's spelled to- a little bit differently too. It's, it's W health. Right, so wealth, right span so that it combines sort of wealth and health, those two notions right. integrated. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's uh, all sorts of ways or uh, probably one of the places uh, on YouTube, we've got a longevity advantage podcast, um, which I had to take a break from for the last year because I've been so busy with other things, but I'm just, uh, we've got two interviews uh, in, in the studio right now that uh, we'll get processed and we'll get those going. So those have been, again, all education based around longevity that uh, we've had some some real positive response for. Great, thank you, Scott. Um, now, so going back to the home, I mean, as I mentioned before the break, um, one of the things about universal design, there's a lot of, I think that's coming into its own in terms of people's recognition of creating um, houses, uh, you know, and spaces that are, uh, you know, ADA uh, compliant and accessible for people of all, uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, but one of the things that, that you stress is that um, there are really ways to combine function and aesthetic appeal. I think people get worried about, all right, you know, okay, I should have grab bars, I should do this, but that it doesn't have to look clinical, you know, and you work a lot in that space of trying to combine functionality and aesthetics. Yeah, that's all I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you want the utilitarian solution, that that's not here. Uh, okay. that, that's what everybody else does. Um, and, and that's partly why people don't do it, because that's what they've been so exposed to. That's why mm-hmm. I, I kind of say, like we talked about just before the break there, you know, a landscape solution versus a wood ramp out in front of the house. Right. right. Uh, yeah, we, we don't do wood ramps. Or talk, you know, I'm not interested in talking about wood ramps with people other than don't do it. Um, it's really, I think there's, um, once there's an awareness of what's possible, accessibility works for any design taste. Mm -hmm. Um, and it works in virtually any space, just a question of it, it, again, it's lacking in expertise amongst contractors, amongst builders, amongst architects. It's just not something that 
Um, you know, it's a bit of a catch-22. The market doesn't ask for it, so people don't offer it. Right. Um, you know, and builders will say, well, when someone comes and tells me to build it, that's what I'll build. Well, people don't even know what's possible. So I really, again, part of in the education is try to show people the kind of things that we do. And it's like, the idea is it should be stunning. And it's like, oh, it's accessible too? Oh, yeah, I see that now that you mention it, right? That That's what you want the reaction to be. And it's in the 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 test I do, the litmus test is, would a realtor tell you it needs to be removed? And when it comes time to sell the house, mm. or is it, you know, is it add value to the house or at minimum, is it revenue neutral? And so, like, so you put a stair lift up in the front steps, that's coming out. There's holes and things to be repaired before the house is going to be sold. Everybody knows that. So that's a, you know, it's a back end cost associated with it. Uh, so if for, you know, if you had a little bit more money, could you put an interior lift in the house, not an elevator, but mm -hmm. a vertical lift? There's essentially often they can go between two closets. It can go sometimes if you have a larger foyer to put something that's attractive and functional, and then it's going to be there as, as an asset to the next owner of the home. So there's lots, it's, you know, it's all these things that, um, that just, they really do require a different, different eye to be able to see what's possible, but that's absolutely what we, what we focus on and what I, you know, what, clients are just always overjoyed because it's more than what they ever imagined. And it's not because it's special. It's just because a different set of eyes with a different set of skills was able to look at it and say, here's something else. Have you thought about this? And it's like, Oh no, we didn't. Right. And that's what, that's all I try to do with people is just help them see, see what's possible. And then from there, they're, they're good to go. <laughs> like right. they, can't, they can't get started fast enough. Yeah. And you can, there are, going back to your things that are affordable and modest, I mean, there are things you can do if you just think about it, like in the bathrooms you talk about, you know, or other rooms of comfortable chair heights that, that are, um, you know, um, more useful as you get older or, uh, or, well, you know, when we had our, our renovation in our house years ago, um, we did come up with the uh, after, unfortunately after the fact, but um, my wife is short. I'm not that tall. And some of the shelves are like, as you point out, they're like, <laughs> okay, that's great if I were six foot tall. And, and yes, I can reach up there. But just thinking about what are appropriate heights of things. Um, and, and if you uh, design it for the, the uh, maximum phase, you know what I'm saying? In other words, if an older person can reach it, then it's fine for a younger person. You know, you can sort of back your way into, um, you know, uh, age friendliness for all ages by looking at the older age, looking ahead at what, what it's going to be like when I'm older. And so it'll be fine when I'm younger too. Yeah. If I, I throw something different at kind of your listeners that they're probably not used to thinking about. So one of the trends that's going on in, in kitchen design is to reduce the number of wall cabinets. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about what's hard to reach, right? It's the wall cabinet. So you put all this cabinet up that maybe you can really only reach the bottom one or two shelves. And of course, we're putting 42 inch cabinets in to make the room look taller. So how about a kitchen that has no wall cabinets and we take the money. So this is kind of the investment piece. We take the money from the wall cabinets and we actually put drawers into the base cabinets. And when we do that, we we at least double the storage capacity of that base cabinet. We make it easier to get to than it ever was opening a door and climbing underneath to get to something. 
And and every wall cabinet that we take out, not only are we reinvesting that back into places we can actually use, but the room now becomes bigger once you take the wall cabinets down. So we create a bigger spacious feel. So again, that whole investment thing, um, Mm -hmm. it all starts to come together but it's just not what our eyes are used to seeing, right? And mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean you don't have any wall cabinets, but it's really that concept to stop and say, where do I need a wall cabinet versus where do I need things that I can reach? And you'll come up with usually a different solution than what you're living with today. Right. Um, the last segment I wanted to talk about is, because uh, there's a lot here, it's just um, uh, automation technology, you know, as a means of extending our, our home's best before date. So, um, so there are lots of things of, I mean, you, you've, uh, and I've looked at some of the stuff that you've written about and talked about. And so there are, so there, there are specific pieces in like technology for doorways and entryways, but then the platforms and so forth and stuff in the kitchen. So, uh, let's, let's start with, start with doorways and entryways and, and go from there. Sure. Um, so the, Again, if we think about what's the easiest way to go through a door, and, and I'll take you to a, any commercial space, and you walk up to the door, and it magically the double door just opens. You don't do anything, and you walk through, and it closes behind you. That's pretty easy. You didn't have to right. go up any steps. You didn't have to do anything with handles. Um, so that's so that would be the you know the absolute best. Probably not practical for most of our homes. Um, but what are the elements of that that we can start to apply? So, so again, that's what I put on my home here is when, when I walk up, I don't have a lever or a thumb knob or anything. I literally just have to push on my door handle and it opens. So I can walk in with bags of groceries in both arms and my elbow, I can bump the door and it'll open. Mm. And the lock that's on there is a smart lock. It recognizes my phone when I mm. walk up. And so it unlocks. So it doesn't do that. So Ron, unfortunately, if you came to my front door, it's not going to open quite so easily unless I have it unlocked. <laughs> Nothing against you, but uh, but from a security standpoint, it sure. only opens for me or my wife. Um, so that's one example of how technology is moving today. All the handles in 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 our new home are they're a lever, but you don't have to turn the lever again. You just pull on the handle, or you push on it which is the way handles work in virtually every commercial space that we know, mm. right? It's just taking things we know from other applications and putting them into our home. So this is not some new idea that somebody came up with. It's certainly not my idea. It's taking something that's been tried and true for uh, and proven out for many years into the home and, and, and just making moving around the home a lot easier. Right. Uh, and what about, uh, Let's see, we, are, we don't have too much time, but what about um, uh, the use of technology in the kitchen? So, so, you know, every room needs technology. The kitchen can use technology for things like, again, if we think about going forward and we don't want to make six trips to the kitchen to turn the oven on, to you know, change the temperature, to, to do whatever, the technology of, of all of our appliances now are essentially Wi-Fi enabled. And mm-hmm. so we can turn them on. We can, and if we're doing laundry, for example, or any of these things, the equipment will tell us at what time is it ready. And so, you know, and we we may be in another room and not hear the the bell go off, but if we have our phone with us, our phone's going to make a tone. It'll follow around with us and let us know the status of things. That's really all we're interested in is 
what's the status of it? I don't think people are going to be necessarily changing the temperature of their oven from their phone, even right. though you can, right? It's um, it's more how do you stay connected um, with with other things going on in your home? And that's really the purpose of technology is how do you make your home start to work more for you, right. but also be easy to set up and easy to uh, e- easy to integrate into daily life? Yeah, and I could see how that certainly would be a lot in terms of what we talked about before, in terms of um, maintaining your property. So that extends the best before date because it enables you to do more, uh, you know, in terms of maintaining your home, living well, uh, using technology. So a quick question about what happens when your Wi-Fi goes down? <laughs> right. So all these things have to continue to operate. So, and they all do, right? So, right. so the Wi-Fi is purely just an add-on. Mm-hmm. Everything continues to operate as it always did. And, and maybe I'll kind of throw out the, the, the one that's coming is the, is the home robot. Um, okay. get frequent conversations with that community right. and the, the robot will literally go to your fridge and pull the, the food out and bring it to you. And these, these are people who really are immobilized, but mm-hmm. still magically will be able to stay at home despite not being able to, to move around as much as we would ideally want to. Right. Wow, we, there's a lot more to talk, and we'll we'll have you back for another show to do that. But before we go, I just wanted to thank you very much, Scott, for a great conversation, another great conversation. Uh, once again, I, um, tell your friends if you missed my conversation with Scott today, you can uh, find it uh, as a podcast on VoiceAmerica.com. Just search for my show, Forty Five Forward, or you can also find it on my website, RobelResources.com, and click on the Forty Five Forward tab. Um, now, Scott, if people want to reach you or, you know, I, obviously they can go to your websites. Um, is there a contact or it was, is, I mean, I know you're on Facebook and LinkedIn. You're very active on LinkedIn. I love reading your comments on LinkedIn uh, and it, your posts. Yeah. If, if they like kind of daily ed, little education bites, LinkedIn is probably the best place to do that. I spend more time trying to contribute information there for people, but generally home ideations is probably the best way to reach out uh, if they want to get a hold of me. Great. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, if you uh, want to send me comments or questions, you can reach me at ron.roel at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll be talking with Rebecca Miller of Project Independence, which is a very interesting program uh, to help people age in place uh, over across of a town, a suburban town. Uh, and so it should be a great show. Uh, so until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.